Well, good morning. Um, it's a real privilege to get to bring God's Word to you here this morning, and it's great. It's a real privilege to lead the team here again this year. Thankfully, I had a bit more notice this time. It wasn't about um, 12 hours before when I sat having a bit of lunch on the Friday afternoon, and then I got a call to say, can you come to Gilna Herc? I said, yeah, I happen to be free that week. So here I am, and a few months later, and settled into the church here as well, and it's been, it's been great to be with you all. So Yes, um, this morning, as uh, Jonathan's already mentioned, we're going to be looking at Psalm 66 together, continuing this series of Psalms um, that we do through the summertime. So if you want to actually just turn there again in your Bibles, if you've maybe closed them over, it's good to just have it open. Um, and we're going to look at this. And So the Psalms, as many of you will know, um, are often referred to as the prayer and praise book of Israel, um, found at the very heart of Scripture. Um, and I, I really believe that the Psalms are a true goldmine of biblical truths um, for us as Christians to savor and to turn to in times of, even when we're unsure of what to pray, I often find when I don't really know what, what to pray or um, where to look in Scripture, I, I turn to the Psalms because there's such a great variety of um, prayer and praise and lament um, through, throughout the Psalms. And you probably will be aware from your own reading of the Psalms that they journey through all sorts of experiences um, of the people of God um, and circumstances in many cases that we still face um, today in our own journey of faith. You know, we have Psalms of joyful praise and thanksgiving for the great things that God has done. We also have Psalms that talk of his provision, his victory over the enemy and his glory displayed in creation. And we also read many Psalms that are filled with real sorrow and pain as the psalmist often laments in brutal honesty to God about their suffering. Yet what you notice every time is that the psalmist is always expectant that God is faithful to deliver them in those times of difficulty. So this morning we're going to explore Psalm 66 together. And this psalm is one that is very much rich with thanksgiving and praise for the awesome deeds of God. And I I really love that that's our our theme for this week. And I really hope and pray that it's something that... um, both ourselves as well as the children who come along will catch on to that and see that we really do have an awesome God who has done so many incredible things for us. Um, so we're going to look there this morning in God's Word. But before we um, open the passage and read it together, I want, I want you all to think of a time when you experienced something really good. And I, I don't mean just something that was, you know, like, you know, maybe you're an avid Liverpool supporter and you watched United lose 4-0 yesterday. That was great to watch. Um, but something really, really good. And I hope that experiencing good things is a regular part of your lives. But uh, something so good that it fills you with excitement. And I want you to think about how did you maybe respond to that thing? Maybe it was a new film that you just really, really loved. Um, or maybe it was the birth of a grandchild. Or maybe it was getting a new job. Um, and usually for most of us, when something like this happens, we respond with a great deal of thankfulness and excitement that we got to experience that thing. Um, and now, as many of you will know, um, about, I'm, I'm losing track of time now, about two months ago, three months ago, myself and Hannah got engaged, um, which has been a really encouraging few months of married men telling me that it only goes downhill from here. So thank you very much for all your encouragement. <laughs> of course, I'm only joking, but it's been, this has been a great few months of excitement for the both of us. And for me, this has been a great experience of God's blessing. Um, and my response was, of course, to give thanks for what had happened, mainly thanks that Hannah said yes. Um, I was nervy enough, but I, I, th- I think it was never in doubt. I hope, anyway. 
Um, but I was, you know, I was filled with excitement. Um, and often, you know, when we're truly excited about something, we can't he- help but share what we've experienced um, with the people that we, that we meet. You know, we're like, we become like little children when they get, you know, a toy or something at Christmas time. They just want to show everyone this new toy. Um, and this morning, we're going to look at the enthusiasm of the psalmist in Psalm 66. And they're kind of like this. They're, they're excited to invite the reader to come and see what God has done. The invitation to come and for the reader to experience it for themselves, experience the awesome deeds of God. Um, because we, we do have a God who is worthy to be praised. So we're going to turn now to Psalm 66 together. So if you want to open up in your Bibles, and we'll just read God's word together. So Psalm 66, I'm beginning in verse 1. These are the words of the Lord, and it says, Shout for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. Bless our God, O O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you. That which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams, and I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, but truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God. He has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love for me. And we do thank God for his word this morning. So then, in the opening of the psalm, and we, we see this phrase the psalmist use, uses, and it says, all the earth, all the earth. And what this makes clear to us is that this is a call to praise that is a universal one. Um, the psalmist is not solely talking to the Israelite people as God's chosen nation, but to the Gentiles and all the nations of the earth, as he recognizes that God and his love extends to the ends of the universe, and that a day is coming when people everywhere will bask in the glory of their creator. And you know, it's good for us to give our praises to God as Christians, and it maybe seems like a very obvious thing to say, but I think it's important that we remember that God, he is the author of all creation. Um, He created everything, both human and non-human alike. Therefore, all that God has made is capable of worshipping him. Now, the Psalms talk loads uh, about um, how creation worships God. And there's just one wee passage in particular I want to share that I think um, sums it up really well. And that's in Psalm 96, 
in verses 11 to 13. It says, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound in all that's in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all of the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice in the Lord. And you know, I often wonder when I, I read of how, the, how creation, all of creation worships God. You know, if the seas and the fields and all of the creatures of the earth, they sing their praises to God, then how much more should we, as his chosen ones, praise him? And you know, the psalmist speaks in these opening verses of a loud shout of praise. Um, we notice the repetition in these opening verses. We see the words shout, sing, worship, and then sing and sing again. He calls all of the earth to offer bold praise to God with loud shouts and singing. But as we'll notice in this psalm, we see this collective loud shout of praise, but we'll also see a more quieter and personal offering of praise where the psalmist comes personally to God. And I think it's good for us to remember as we read this that both the loud shouts of praise and singing, just like we've been doing here this morning, and those quieter, more personal and intimate um, offerings of praise to God are both very much acceptable to him and pleasing to him. And there is, there is real beauty in the image of all the earth together shouting praises to the Lord. Um, and just as I mentioned at the beginning, when we experience something amazing, as many of us here, we share that, that amazing experience of salvation. Um, we can't help but share that excitement and that experience with others. And that's, you know, that's what we do here every Sunday. That's what we do during the week when we fellowship. We sing praises to God for what he has done. And you know, there is no better thing um, for those of us who follow Jesus that you know, we've experienced than our salvation that was bought with that precious blood of Christ on the cross. And you know, as I, as I will touch on a bit more later on as well, that outpouring of praise um, that we offer to God really does have the potential to draw so many other people into sharing that praise with us for the awesome deeds of God. You know, for, for Israel, when we think of the people of God, they experience God's deliverance from the enemy firsthand. Yet this call to come and praise in this psalm extends to all the nations and, and while the Gentile nations at the time, they maybe didn't experience that, this deliverance um, firsthand, but they, you know, they seen God at work. Um, they were very aware of his might and what he had done for the people of Israel. So for them, they often couldn't help but be drawn into reverent worship of him who is greater than all of the powers of evil. And you see, our, our worship of God... Uh, it doesn't need to be something that we have to force to come out of us because I, th I truly believe if we just, you know, pause and, and ponder and even just meditate and wonder on the awesome deeds of God, praise will just naturally and should naturally rise up from our hearts to him. Um, so we are called to come and praise because we follow a God who is truly, um, truly worthy of our worship. Then if you want to knock it on another one as well. Thank you. So then, as we um, journey through the psalm a bit more, we come to verses sort of five to seven, um, and we read the, the first invitation um, of the psalmist, uh, of this invitation that I've already mentioned, to come and see what God has done. Um, you know, I, lo I really love this invitation. Um, I love its simplicity, and when I read it, I can almost imagine the psalmist, um, you know, saying, you know, you don't believe me? Well, just come and see it for yourself. Come and see the awesome things that God has done for me. Um, 
And you know, this, this is in a sense what the psalmist is doing here. You know, after calling upon all the nations um, to, to praise God, he now presents to them his reasons for worshipping him. We also, we see the psalmist use this word awesome um, for the second time to describe the work of God in verse 5, just as he does in verse 3. Uh, and you know, the, the repetition of this word awesome demonstrates that the works of God um, are not just all right or pretty good, but so incredible and mighty that they should really inspire a, a holy fear and reverence within us as we marvel at the things that God has done for us. And you know, for all of us here, I have, I have no doubt that if we began to, you know, just reflect on the countless times that God has acted on our behalf in amazing ways, you know, we, we, we would lose track of the amount of things that he's done for us. Um, and the psalmist here, he, he reflects on one of the, arguably one of the most significant acts of God in the story of his people in the Old Testament, and that is in the exodus from Egypt. You know, the writer, he reminds the people of God how God had delivered them um, by turning the Red Sea into dry land so they could pass through to the other side. And in this moment, God, God's people saw for themselves the strength of the Lord in delivering them. You know, once they had reached the safety of the banks of the other side of the Red Sea, they exclaimed, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. And we read this in Exodus 15 and verse 1. And you know, the fact that the psalmist was recalling this story and that the people of God were preserved by God to remember his power meant that they were, they were and, and we still are today, walking testimonies of God who, as in verse 7 tells us, rules in might forever. You know, each of us here this morning who know and love Jesus, we carry the same invitation as the psalmist because of what God has done for us. This morning, we truly do have a better story to tell. You know, each of our lives, um, if we have given our lives to Christ, we're living examples of God's grace, um, the sacrifice of his son and the sanctification that comes through his spirit. So, you know, we can, we can look with joy um, overflowing from our hearts to those people around us and say boldly, come and see what God has done. You know, I, I think and I reflect on what God has done for me and ultimately what he did on, for me in that cross through Jesus. And, you know, he's delivered me from death. He's given purpose to the times when I feel suffering. He's loved me deeply that whilst I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. He set my feet on solid ground and he gives me hope and assurance of a place in his family. And I just think this morning, what could be better than this? Um, come and see what God has done. If you just want to flick it on to the, the next slide there. Come and see what God has done. So as we enter then into to the, the later half of Psalm 66, I, I think two key truths become um, very clear to us. And that's the first one being that the trials and suffering that we face are very much a part of the life of a Christian. But then the second truth that God is also undoubtedly a faithful God faithful to protect his children and to keep his promises you know and i'm often actually filled with a great deal of sadness when i see how many people in our world today present the gospel um there you know there's so many cases now where the reality of the gospel message is often diluted to try and make it look you know like an easy or more appealing life and 
the reality of the gospel message is that it doesn't need man to try and spruce it up or to make it look more attractive because the gospel is the living and breathing message of God. It alone is the greatest story ever told. And we are called to be simply vessels to carry this message for God. And you know, it's not all doom and gloom because we as Christians, we truly believe that life with Jesus is the best. However, however, there is the, the often difficult reality that the Christian life comes with, with many hardships. And it's, you know, it's simply unhelpful for us to ignore this truth or just to pretend that it's not the case. And you know, here in Psalm 66, the psalmist, he, he's under no illusions to the hardships and the trials of faith. He even recognizes that often the, the hardship that we face can be God testing and shaping us. We think if we look to verse 10 there, we see how um, he speaks of how God is like a silversmith. He uses this image of a silversmith trying the silver, which, uh, which was a process used to remove the dross or more simply the waste parts of the silver that are no use. And this is often um, very much true of how God um, shapes us and sanctifies us. He often uses um, the suffering and the difficult things that we face in order to enable us to grow and to become more fruitful. And we think of a very similar image in the New Testament in John chapter 15, where Jesus, he speaks of the vine and the branches. Um, Christ tells us in the first two verses of John 15, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. You see, the people of Israel, they were no strangers to suffering, just as the psalmist has implied. Um, as in verses 11 and 12, and the people of, what we read there tells us that the people of God at times often felt trapped, like they were in a net. The, the trouble that they faced often felt quite heavy, um, like a burden laid upon them, suffocating them. And even just as they had faced in Egypt and, you know, with the numerous enemies that they had faced after, they were often humiliated um, and feeling like they were being trampled helplessly under the feet of their enemy. And I wonder if you ever, I wonder if you ever feel like the Israelites in your walk of faith. I wonder, do you ever feel sort of trampled on or, or suffocated or just trapped by the, the pressures that you face around you in life, in your workplace, in your home, wherever that may be? And I know I certainly do, you know, at times the temptation to wander and the things of the enemy just leaves me feeling really beaten up and cornered and almost trapped, just like the Israelites. And, you know, it's in moments like this that I very quickly realize how weak and how feeble I am in myself. But in that, there's always hope because without fail each time when I've experienced hardships in life, I've been able to look back and in hindsight, clearly trace each time how God has been molding and strengthening me and carrying me through those difficult times. And you know, the psalmist, he responds in this psalm to his suffering in a way that I think for most of us is quite challenging and uncomfortable when we think of how we often respond to the trials that are faced on our journey of faith. It's, it's a response that is commonly modeled all throughout scripture, and it's one of rejoicing and, and thanksgiving and worship for the suffering that we face. Um, I just want to read verses 13 to 15 again, just so we can remind ourselves of how the psalmist responds. He says, I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you. 
that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams, and I will make an offering of bulls and goats. You see, suffering is normal. And in, in anything, if anything, it's often the mark of an obedient follower of Jesus, in which there's also so much joy that comes with that. Um, if you think of uh, James, his letter in the New Testament, the, the opening chapter of his letter encourages the believer to count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And you know, often in these times when I think it's, it's difficult to sort of shift our perspective away from the suffering and away from the trials, when we often just can't quite see beyond and see where the hope on the other side. Um, somewhere I, I often go to in Scripture and take comfort in is Paul's words uh, and his wonderful reminder in Romans 8 and verse 18. And I just think these are wonderful words. Which, and, and what he says is, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. You know, the psalmist, he brings his personal praise through the means of sacrifices to God. So he responds by bringing sacrifices to him. He, he stated that he's obviously made vows in some earlier distress and is now fulfilling those vows to, go, to God to worship and to thank him for his faithfulness to him. The psalmist, he, he would come into the house of the Lord with acceptable sacrifices um, Yet how wonderful today that, you know, for us as believers, we're able to come into that holy place um, beyond the veil where the Savior sits exalted. Um, we no longer have to come with rams and goats, um, but just simply with our pr appreciation of the once and for all sacrifice that Christ made, of which these Old Testament sacrifices were pointing towards, they were foreshadowing of, um, which is a real privilege for those of us this morning who are saved by Christ. And lastly, I just want to very quickly address the final invitation in this psalm. If you want to jump on a slide. Yeah, perfect. Um, this final invitation. So in verses 5 to 7, I, I talked about how the, there's this invitation to come and see what God has done. Um, and the psalmist now in these closing verses invites the reader to come and hear about what God has done for his soul. He wishes to share his story of what God has done for his soul with anyone who is willing to listen to him. Um, essentially here, the psalmist wishes, I guess, to share his testimony, um, you know, his story of his life and how God has worked. And I, I think testimonies are, or our own testimonies are something that we often underestimate um, the power of. You know, the, the power of our stories and the way in which God can use um, the sharing of our stories to work in the lives of others. You know, if we think about um, the New Testament and we think about um, Jesus and his time here on earth and how he often taught, he often, you know, taught people through stories, through parables, many of which we still read today. Um, and he used these parables because the parables presented the truth of the gospel in a very real and practical way, um, a way that, you know, in which ordinary people um, facing common struggles were able to understand and relate to. And, you know, I think for us, as Christians, our stories are very similar to that. Um, because, you know, if you follow Jesus, then you are, as I've said already, a living example of a life transformed by God's grace. And those stories um, that, you you know, your story can very much impact 
the people that you do life with every day, you know, the people that you go to work with, the people in your, in your household, the people in your friend group, those that you meet up with for coffee during the week. Because, you know, those people that you meet with, whether they know God or not, will be able to relate to you and understand some of those same struggles that you're facing. Um, and just like the psalmist uh, tells us, we, we have the opportunity to present the same invita- invitation to those people that we encounter every day. You know, each of us have incredible God stories to share, um, each one so personal and unique to us. You know, often I used to think that my testimony was really boring. Um, you know, I, I was, grew up in a Christian home. I didn't really face too many trials in the, the early stages of my life. But I very quickly realized that this is a privilege because this is a story, of, a real story of how God has worked in my life. Um, so for each of us, whether we think our stories are special or not, we, we can come boldly and we can say, come and hear what God has done for my soul. And that's my prayer um, for us as a church this morning, as the body of Christ, that we might invite those people that we encounter every day, um, both young and old, to come and see what God has done in our lives, to come and hear of his great deeds. And it's also my prayer for each of you personally this morning as well. Um, you know, I don't know everyone's circumstances or the, the context of what your, your week looks like, but wherever that is or whoever that's with, I just really want to encourage you to allow your heart to just overflow with joy. Um, you know, just reflect on your those experiences of how God's already worked in your life and reflect on you mean, you know, the ultimate um, thing that he has done for us through Jesus. And invite those people that you do life with every day to listen to those stories, to hear what God has done for you. And I really do pray that this is what happens this week as well as we minister to the, to the children and the young people of this local area. Um, so then, as the, as the psalmist closes, he again, for the second time in the psalm, uses the word blessed. Um, and this is a word which signifies a, a salute of praise um, to kneel before in worship. Um, blessed be God, he says. It's a, a personal ascription of praise and thanksgiving that God had not turned away from him in his hour of need, but had instead shown him mercy um, and shown him his loving kindness. Um, and you know, th- this very much concludes the psalm um, which sings the praise of the nations as well, of, as well as the praise of the psalmist himself. So whether national or, or personal or collective or individual, there's always a reason um, to bless him who will forever care for his people. And let's just come before God in, in prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that you've gifted it to us so freely, um, that we can learn from it, God, that we can listen um, to your voice and just be molded and shaped by you. And um, God, we thank you this morning for this um, great encouragement that we can invite those around us to come and see what you have done for us, to come and hear about the awesome deeds of you, because you are an awesome God, and we truly believe that this morning. And God, we pray for the week ahead. We pray for every um, child and young person who will come through into this tent, um, that you will really speak to them um, and reveal yourself to them and the awesome things that you have done, um, that they would, they would recognize that you give their, your one and only son for them so that they can have a relationship with you, that they can have forgiveness for their sins. Um, so God, we just give you all the glory and praise this morning and pray that you continue to be with us um, wherever we are this week. Amen.